A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. An Erio's original. Hey listeners, it's the holidays, a time for love, family, giving, rating, reviewing, and subscribing. We're so grateful for all of the love that we've gotten. And if you like this show, please go online, go on Apple Podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us keep the show going, and it helps us spread the word. I'll read a recent review we got. It's from Bay920. And it says, a tiny bit of history with a lot of humor. Okay, listen, this podcast is great. I have a long commute and I love listening to this podcast on my way home after a long day. They aren't historians, they're comedians, and I appreciate their take on the historical tragedies they are discussing. I also appreciate their openness in discussing their own anxieties. Do I need to get dowel rods now for the windows now because they made me anxious about someone sliding my windows open? Yes. Do I care? No. Also, am I the only person who thinks her husband sounds like Paul Rudd? Um, No, you don't have to feel bad about wanting to use jowl rods on your window. It's totally reasonable. And yeah, you're right. He does kind of sound like Paul Rudd. Thank you so much. Everyone have a happy holiday. Let's get started. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith and I am The Alarmist. (laughs) 
Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we discuss history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're going to be doing Y2K, the most catastrophic non-disaster of all the disasters. Let's get started. The year 2000 problem, the Y2K problem, the millennium bug, or just Y2K. It went by a number of different names, and in 1999, it was one of the hottest topics of conversation. Some believe the modern world was on the verge of collapse, while others thought it was a hoax. Regardless of where you fell on the spectrum, the turn of the century was awaited with anxieties and fears that when the year turned from 1999 to 2000, computer programs would experience massive errors. Due to how they had been programmed earlier in the century, experts anticipated that they would mistake the year 2000 for the year 1900. At the time, many programmers used a two-digit code for the year, so just 88 instead of 1988, because computer storage was expensive and doing so saved a lot of room and therefore money. All in all, billions of dollars were spent globally and in the U.S. in preparation for people to go nuts. But in the end, people around the world watched the countdown into the new year, not knowing what to expect. Anticlimactically, and some might say thankfully, the clock struck 12, the year changed over, and things stayed the same. It's the biggest non-disaster disaster since the turn of the century. Fun facts, a.k.a. death stats. The first recorded mention of the Y2K problem was on January 18, 1985. A guy named Spencer Bowles posted about this problem in a Usenet forum. He brought it up because a programmer friend of his was losing sleep over it. On October of 1998, U.S. President Bill Clinton signed the Year 2000 Information and Readiness Disclosure Act. The law was designed to encourage American companies to share Y2K data by offering them limited liability protection for sharing information about Y2K products, methods, and best practices. The list of potential catastrophes ranged from mistaken nuclear launches, to planes falling from the sky, to money being wiped away from bank accounts. The United States spent about $100 billion to prep for Y2K. $9 billion of that was spent by the federal government and the rest by utility companies, banks, airlines, telecommunication firms, and just about every other corporate entity with more than a few computers. Globally, it's estimated that the spending was somewhere between $300 billion to $500 billion. Countries that barely prepared, like Italy, Russia, and South Korea, ended up having the same experience as countries that freaked out and threw tons of money at the problem, like the U.S. <sighs> what a disaster. Today, we have a very special guest, someone who is going to help us really uh, point the finger at this non-disaster disaster. Everyone, we have Molly Hockey here. Hi. 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 Molly, <laughs> now you are the perfect person <laughs> to uh, <laughs> for this episode because you guys probably know this, but she also has a podcast called Spermcast. Everybody um, on the planet knows. Everyone knows. If you this. don't know, you're out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all about planning, sort of. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tell us, Molly. <laughs> sperm cast is well was originally my my quest for a sperm donor, and then turned into my quest for pregnancy, and then turned into my quest for sanity. I mean. Uh, you know, we I, I got my sperm donor and then went through a whole lot of stuff and I still don't have a baby yet. So we're working on it. So what a journey, guys. I mean, it's what a, a journey, journey. And I the, the struggle for me is that I do love planning. I make lists. I I yeah, I just imagine everything that's going to happen. I think of every possible scenario, but I never, ever, ever get it right. So good luck. <laughs> I'm not going to do a good job today getting figuring out Y2K, but I'll, I'll do my best. I can't. I can't plan. I, I well, you know, and it gives I, me anxiety. Not it, that being gives able, you anxiety. Not knowing what's going to happen gives me a lot of anxiety. Oh my god, join the club. Yeah, I mean, the I am a list maker, an itinerary guru, mm-hmm. uh, a planner. Are you a Virgo? No, I'm uh, Aquarius. I don't know anything about Aquarius. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Virgo. Well, uh, I'm Aquarius, but my, you know, moons and houses or whatever Ooh. are in Capricorn and Gemini. Also don't know about those. <laughs> cool. Glad we're talking. Are you a Virgo? I'm a Virgo. I actually know nothing about Virgos. <laughs> All I know is that we're planners and organized oh. and everything like that. But I think I would describe myself as a struggling Virgo because I, I do all of the writing down and the lists and all the all of that. But I, I, I fail. I just cannot organize. I, I do not have a stable life at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the podcast is just so good. And it really like takes you along on this journey yeah. and it's so funny mm-hmm. i know it doesn't sound like <laughs> it's so funny it's and so absurd funny. and it's also very sad it at is times. and honest yeah i highly recommend thank you so much yes wow and now let's get down to business because okay. this is not going to be easy we're going to figure it out no so, no we're not definitely not <laughs> but we'll say we <laughs> sure we are okay so Y2K, like, I I remember Mm -hmm. Y2K. I I was a teenager and I was like, oh, my God, like, maybe I'll have a boyfriend in Y2K. And like, (laughs) (laughs) and and then I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, just when I'll probably have a boyfriend, like, the the world's gonna end, like, just my luck, which actually has been uh, (laughs) consistent throughout my life. You know, just when I think I'm gonna get something, you know, it all falls apart. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's life. That's life. And that's why we we are doing this podcast to make sure nothing falls apart anymore. That's right. Where were you? Do you remember your Y2K experience? Yeah, I sure do. But yeah, I don't remember being super freaked out about it, just mildly prepared for whatever was what was for whatever was going to happen. Why does that not come out? for whatever was gonna yeah anywho I had graduated college I was at my parents house and I lived outside of New York City and definitely didn't want to go into the city yeah Um, my boyfriend was he flew in from Alaska oh (laughs) an Alaskan boyfriend (laughs) yeah he was great oh gosh that's love that's a long uh, flight he was the best (laughs) I really screwed up on that one (laughs) we all have those oh my gosh (laughs) Anywho, he brought king crab legs and wow. yes, he was a what fisherman. He was a crab. I mean, wow. You met him online or? Well, why was he in Alaska? Because he grew up in Alaska oh. and that's what he did. Um, yeah, that's what he did. But he-, uh, he was a salmon fisherman in the summers. And then I was one time too. This is another podcast. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but in the winters, he would do uh, crabbing. 
So your boyfriend's here. Y two K is happening. Did happening, you think it yeah. was the going to be the end of the world? No, uh, we were at my parents' house. I grew up on a farm, uh, so they have a generator. We were we thought we, it was everything was just going to be oh. you know maybe there will be some computer glitches, but we'll be fine. But it'll be nice to have my boyfriend there with me <laughs> just in case, and also to have my parents around. That'll be safe. And I remember it was it was snowing, and we boiled lobsters and the crab legs outside in a huge whatever you boil them in and one of those a pot lobster pot yeah there you go and that was that and that was that it was wonderful probably my favorite because i don't like new year's eve and it was probably my favorite new year's eve ever it's interesting it you say so that simple. because it was also my one of my favorite new year's eves ever my parents were also of the camp of like nothing's gonna happen you know don't believe the media mm-hmm. meanwhile uh, and, and as a as a result, of course, I was panicked. You know, <laughs> they were not prepared. <laughs> there was no generator in oh. sight. <laughs> um, so I-, I was like, I'm on my own. And how old were you? I was, a, I must have been like 15, uh-huh, I uh-huh. want to say. I, I was young enough that I could, I, I didn't have control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But old enough to understand that this was, they were doing it wrong. Yeah. Right. And, what, you know, it clock struck 12. And you were in LA. No, I was in Miami. This was in Miami. Oh, so you were on the East Coast. Yeah, wait. East Coast. I guess, where did Y2K, like, it starts it was in Australia? Globally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was mean, like, Y2K was global. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> One of those uh, we disasters kind of, we all shared. But we but we might have, you know, had a heads up if it starts, you know, the, the time right. changes in, in Australia. Maybe we already were calm by that hour. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I just remember the clock striking 12 and then nothing happened. And then my cousins and I, we were having a party at my parents' house and we stayed up all night and we ended up going to watch the sunset on South Beach. Sunrise? A sunrise, yeah. <laughs> we watched the sunrise on South Beach. Ooh, so that's it was kind of fun. Yeah, it was like one of those like, ah, I didn't die. The world isn't over. It was like a rebirth. Yeah, and that's <laughs> fun. But that said mm-hmm. we all we, you know we ended up having nice experiences but the leading up to that was a nightmare yeah and i think that what we need to do is kind of like understand how how did this even how did we even get there right so w- without getting too technical i kind of did like a search on the history of computer gra- programming cuz this was the big thing there's the bug there was a huge oversight on these computer programmers. And I found that, you know, computer programming started in in the 40s. Mm. So this is way back. And there were, you know, they were storing data on uh, machines. But it wasn't until 1949 that the concept of stored program computers was introduced. And both programs and data were stored and manipulated in the same way Uh, in a computer memory. So essentially like the memory of a computer, right? Mm -hmm. So these programmers that started in the, in 49 and then like kind of uh, the 60s through the 80s when computers were kind of like taking off, they were admittedly short-sighted when they developed this two-digit format. To, to save money. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it was like, instead of saying 1988, they just put 88, yeah. assuming that it would always be 19. Right. Uh, just to save space. <laughs> let's save space. Apparently, it must have been... This is 
my biggest question. And everyone, we also have uh, a producer Maria here with us. Hi, Hi Maria. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> Great. Yo, 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 Maria. So um, the my biggest thing is like, how much did they actually save by doing this two-digit system? Because if it if it was more than five hundred billion, then they're excused. But if it was less than five hundred oh, billion, <laughs> which is ultimately wise. yeah, money wise, then then they're in big trouble, in my opinion. <laughs> Big, big, big trouble. So short-sighted, right? So the bug at the center of the, this is according to Time magazine. Mm -hmm. The bug at the center of the year 2000 mess is fairly simple in what's providing to be a ludicrously short-sighted shortcut. Many system programmers set aside only two digits digits to denote the year and dates, as in uh, 06 slash 15 slash 98 rather than 06 slash 15 slash 1998. Trouble is, when the computer clock strikes 12, the math can get screwy. Date-based equations like 98 minus 97 equal 1 become 00 minus 97 equal negative 97. Negative 3. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no. This, this is why... <laughs> oh, I can't. There are some mathematicians out there who are going to be really angry at <laughs> the rest of this podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, that can prompt some computers to do the wrong thing and stop others from doing anything at all. So apparently they were just... People were scared that because of this two-digit situation, that was going to throw everything off. Yeah. So let's start light... And just put any programmer that programmed a computer <laughs> from 1949 to, let's say, 19... I'm picking a, a random date, but like uh, 98? Sure. I mean, by 98. But they knew about it by then. Yeah. So maybe t- through 1990. Okay. Yeah. That gives a, a buffer of 10 years for people to start freaking out. Okay. It, it just blows my mind that that they didn't have that foresight. I feel like I saw something in my vast research that uh-huh. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I watched two YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought one of them said that there was uh, a couple people that were warning people about this since the 60s. Oh, well, or there was... go into that? So the first time that uh, it's recorded that mm-hmm. anyone has mentioned or brought this up as a problem is this guy Spencer Bowles, and he posted about it on a forum, you, Usenet forum, and... I, and and it's it's fascinating. You can you can look it up online. It it just says it, it mentions it, that he has a friend who's also a programmer who's losing sleep over it. Uh-huh. So it's it's not even Spencer's like yeah uh, idea, but I don't know Spencer's friend. Yeah, ha- well, maybe in the community of programmers, they all kind of knew about it, but just were not saying anything about it for like addressing it because what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's kind of like the Me Too movement. <laughs> <laughs> no. no should i put the me too movement up on the board <laughs> i'm just saying it's like maybe it was just one of those things that were talked about but was just accepted right 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 and then you know it's 1985 and he's like oh damn he might have just like woke up in the middle of the night and said we've only got 15 more years yeah, or yeah. something yeah i mean it's possible that we I, I don't think we can put spencer up on the board or his friends i mean he helped yeah so so i don't know what it was about this programming community that 
didn't bring it up earlier or didn't think to do something about this two-digit. It's just, and again, we talk about this a lot on this podcast. It's like, ah, oh, just a human flub. Yeah. <laughs> That's the scariest type of mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, humans are so imperfect. I wonder if any of them, while, but while it was happening, like while they were making, like, did they make a conscious decision about zero, zero because they needed to save space no matter what? Or was it an accident and they didn't even think that this could happen? I mean, it's such a reflection of, of us humans as, as, you know, we think, we don't think ahead, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unless you have a baby in your arms. (laughs) I wish if I thought ahead, I would have a baby in my arms right now. (laughs) But like, unless you're looking, like I I was just babysitting uh, 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 this morning and I was like thinking of like, oh, yeah, we should, you know, fix this planet, you know, because I'm looking at a baby. But like the second I left, you know, you're you, tossing your litter <laughs> out, out, out the, the car. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. But, you know, it's, it's such a reminder. It's like we don't think ahead. We think like, you know, I've got 80 or so years and like as long as I'm fine and I don't have to deal with it, then yeah. who cares? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a scary. It's um, crazy. It is. It is crazy. <laughs> It's a huge problem. <laughs> but anyway. to save the world. <laughs> we Okay, so we have these programmers up mm-hmm. on the board. Now, uh, um, may I just say, is it something where it was like the technology at the time? Maybe they were doing stuff that, that they didn't have all the technology for at the time, so they shouldn't have done it. Do you know what I mean? That's a good question, because they were kind of pioneers mm-hmm. in a way. And they were going like, well, we're not going to think ahead. We're just going to do what we do now. And we don't have the space for it. We don't have the... And somebody will figure this out yeah. down the road. Right. So it's almost like procra- like human procrastination. Or like human... Um, like what's it called when, when you just like think someone else is going to do it? Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. What's, like, the, what's that word? That's a word? Is it's, it a it's word? It's like a release. It's like a, <laughs> a, release, a release of liability. Release of, <laughs> release of liability? Um, or like, um, what is it? I'm going to type in, what is it called when you... Shirking your responsibility? No. What d- else is going um, to Like putting it. it on someone else. D- the diffusion of responsibility. Ooh, I love that. Diffusion. The bystander effect. Oh, yeah. Oh. You guys have talked about that before. <laughs> I feel like you have. Have we? Maybe it was on uh, web Oh, crawlers. no, you're right. You're I right. Like we Melissa did talk about, about it, it in uh, the, the Fog, the London Fog episode, mm-hmm. because uh, it was the, mm-hmm, the bystander, it was the bystander effect, effect. Is when you think somebody else is going to, like that woman that was getting raped in that alley and nobody called the police because they thought somebody else would do it. That's right. What, yeah, which which that would not happen if I was there. Hell no. I've said this before and I'll continue to say this. I am the first person to call 911. <laughs> Me too. How, really? I call all the time. Me too. <laughs> we are a problem. Like, we hey, can't. Molly, we might what's, up? <laughs> what's, what's happening now? But I will be. I, I'll be like, okay, there's a man that's walking into the highway. I'm, I'm hi- a, a bit mm-hmm. of a highway patrol. Oh, interesting. Um, I live where... Um, like there's no house on one side of me. There's like a sort of a stairway down into a dead end, and a lot homeless people love it down there. Oh. People with guns trading guns. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Jeez, I don't know, but that's what I tell the cops. Um, <laughs> somebody sleeping on the steps, they might be dead. So I'm calling the cops. Yeah, you know, I got to welfare check. Is that what that is? I have no. Oh, <laughs> I see. What, yes, if more people like us had been programmers. 
then <laughs> maybe this wouldn't have happened. I think so, yeah. yeah. But we're women. Yeah, so yes, we are. We wouldn't have been allowed anyway. Oh, well, I, I, what was that movie? Oh, they're astronauts. Where the three... They were cool. Well, they weren't astronauts. NASA. You know which one I'm talking yeah, about? Um, the three women? It's called Hidden Figures. Hidden, Hidden figures. figures. But they were astronauts. But they dealt with computers. <laughs> they weren't astronauts. They were just computer people. <laughs> they were programmers. Right, right. Computer people that worked for NASA. <laughs> They were they, yeah, right. They weren't Y two K specialists. <laughs> they did get shot up into space at the end. Though. They did, yeah, Jude. They didn't know they were working on a rocket ship, and then all of a sudden, come on, it's no. true. They did, yeah, in real life. Mm-hmm. No, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> um, um. So, so they were, yeah, they were, they were allowed. So maybe we we yes, would have yes. been allowed. <laughs> anyway, all I'm saying is that. Had there been more uh, oversight, oversight, yes, in the programming community, mm. like there, Spencer Bowles is just one guy, mm-hmm. and there's so many computers out there. The fact that he's the first one to bring it up in a, in a, a you know, like Public forum, yeah, and and like a, I mean, it's 1985. The fact that he's in a computer, yeah, chat room or whatever Jeez. that is, that's that's huge. I mean. I didn't even know what the internet was till I was in college. (laughs) (laughs) So people start getting word that there's disaster is bound to happen. Y2K. And Bill Clinton gets this guy and his name is John Kuskinen. Kuskinen? K-O-S-K-I-N-E-N. And this is what I found on fcw.com. In the United States, the race against time was led by John Kuskinen, an office of management and budget executive selected to lead uh, President Clinton's council on year 2000 conversion. So this so Clinton's like, we got to get involved. We, <laughs> we we've got to do something about is this before the media knows about it, like is going nuts about it? The media is already, mm. I, I think this is as a result. Mm. So the media is already going crazy about it. And then uh, a report. So, so okay, let's talk about the media and then we'll come back to, to our friend John. Okay. The media is going crazy. BBC hires a correspondent to cover Y2K. Just one person oh. gets hired. Her name is Emma Simpson. She's hired to report on how communities in the UK are preparing for the impact of the year 2000. Then ABC in the US has also invested heavily in their coverage of the millennium chain. Then you have Time Magazine admittedly later on published an article where they say, though most prognosticators cautioned that the necessary programs would get fixed in time, the fear of the fallout was still scary enough for time to put the hysteria on its cover in January of 1999 under the headline, The End of the World. Oh, my God. (laughs) Literally, The End of the World is the cover of Time (laughs) magazine. So it just, like, exploded. I think it started exploding in... Uh, before 99 so in 98 because in 98 is when this bill the gets council. passed oh exactly oh yes that is in october of 1998 and that bill says that what people that are affected by it it it, it encourages american companies to share y2k data by offering them limited liability protection mm. for sharing information uh, about y2k so it's a weird law it's like 
if you express concern about Y2K, then we're not, we're not going to hold it accountable. We're not going to hold you accountable. Mm. Accountable. <laughs> accountable. It sounds like I said accountable. We're not going to eat you. <laughs> so everyone is already freaking out. And th- I think that I-, I always hate putting the media up on the board mm. because it, it just, it, it's not satisfying for me. It's so big. It's so big. But I do think... There's no one uh, media like conglomerate or, or, or it's not like we can be like B- the BBC right, right, did right, right. the wor- or, you know, Time magazine mm-hmm. um, that we can really point at because it was just a frenzy. Yeah. So I think the only thing that we can do is put the entire media up on the board. I think so. Now, I want to talk about something that came up while I was doing my research, and it's this survivalist slash religious types who preyed on fears oh yes so it's not just the media who's like i want to make a quick buck but like these people who were kind of like taking uh advantage of people in in mass Mm -hmm. who were now panicked yeah right so it's it's a perfect time these people are vulnerable and so yeah let's what better time to bring up an apocalypse (laughs) exactly it's like when the uh earthquake happened here in california that was the perfect time for everyone to listen to that awesome podcast the big one the (laughs) earthquake one Mm -hmm. no i know the big one (laughs) because i had a i have a podcast that i had for three years prior yes the big ones and we still get tagged but you probably get some listeners because of their searches for the big ones i'm sure they turn it off immediately once they hear what it is but we yours is way better yours is way better i didn't finish the big one yeah, I didn't either. Well, I got too much. It's too, too anxious. anxious. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but did you? But do you now sleep with sneakers by your bed? Yeah, I do. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought all, like so much equipment. I bought so many things. Equipment? Yeah. Like workout equipment? No, no, like survival. Because you don't, don't want to be getting chubby in yeah. the apocalypse. <laughs> I gotta, I'm got i going to have to walk. The first thing they tell yeah. you is you're going to have to walk. Yes. Um. So, yeah. No, I, I got a bunch of, um. like, you know, I made sure my kit was all good to go and good. all that. Like, the amount of water I have in my house now is ridiculous because what if anything happens to my kitchen then i'm screwed i have no water <laughs> also i don't sleep in my kitchen so if it happens at night that and i can't get to my kitchen i'm dying of thirst like whatever but we digress oh gosh there's a lot of fun things to do <laughs> i wanted to these survivalists so according to time magazine it's that kind of uncertainty that some religious manel- uh, millennialists are seizing upon and in the process moving quickly from the plausible to the hyperbolic. In pulpits and on videotapes, on Christian radio station and internet websites, there are dedicated prophets of doom. So they warn <laughs> uh, of a cascade of Y2K calamities, massive power blackouts, the failure of hospital, factory fire equipment, the collapse of banking, food shortages, riots. A Y2K article posted last year on the website of Christian Coalition speculated that President Clinton might use the chaos that Y2K unleashes as an opportunity to seize dictatorial powers. The televangelist Pat Robertson is marketing a video called Preparing for the Millennium, a CBN News special report, which summarizes both the Y2K problem and Robertson's novel, The End of an Age, in which Armageddon is triggered by a meteor crash. I mean, these people are are, are 
perpetuating this fear for personal gain. Yeah. One can only imagine what that would be like right now. <laughs> if that if Y2K was happening now, that I mean, Kim Kardashian would be <laughs> I'm just making this up, but like well she'd be lost. <laughs> you mean we wouldn't find her? Yeah. She she, would, she wouldn't be able to keep she'd disappear up. yeah into thin air. <laughs> I'm just saying people would be profiting. Like Instagram would just be survival kits. Oh, like absolutely. promoting some survival kits. Yeah. Um yeah. by the way, you're going to be getting a lot of ads for survival kits now oh. that your phone is hearing you talk about survival oh, kits. Oh yeah. Just well, so that's you know. good. And I and I uh, encourage that. <laughs> I, I need a couple more survival kids. And I live alone. <laughs> I think we all need a few more. <laughs> this is for real, though. And I keep digressing. But you have you need a survival kit for your car. You know that, right? Yeah, I don't have a kit. I, I just have water and sneakers in my car. Okay, one of my biggest fears is going down a ditch, getting stuck <laughs> in a ditch. And you laugh. You laugh, right? <laughs> What do you mean getting stuck in a ditch? A, a ravine. Okay. Ever oh, heard of people like, like dying into a canyon? No, no. A ravine is like off the highway. <laughs> She's afraid of potholes. <laughs> no. So a ravine, it's like when well, you know when the highway goes down. Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. on a highway and then you kind of look to the side and then it kind of like goes down into mm-hmm. a, I don't know, That's grassy field or yeah, something okay. like that. So people have accidents, go down. And then get stuck in their cars mm-hmm. and know everyone's like, she was coming to my house, but we never heard from her. Yeah. And then they find them like a week later and they've been surviving off of like a chocolate that they happen to have in their purse. Oh my gosh. And this happens all the time, people. So you got to have chocolate in your emergency kit. At least a granola bar. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to last. Maria is making a face like she's Googling just, people I'm, dying on ravines. I, I just am having a hard time picturing. I, I'm, I, I 100% believe you. It's just um, I just have to do some research. <laughs> <laughs> I, can I? I have a, a ridiculous story. Please. I went into a ravine once. There you go. <laughs> oh, my God. And I can't believe she was quiet this well, whole time. But I was with somebody. Okay. Okay. But <laughs> it was because I was I was very young, okay, everybody? It's because I was going down on him. What? <laughs> also, went, that is we... so dangerous. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he swerved across four lanes of a highway and went off the road into a ditch. Oh, my God. <laughs> No wonder you were shaking your head where I, when I was explaining what a ravine is. Okay, now I know what a ravine is. I was bobbing my head up and down. Oh, no! I would never. I did, but I, well, I would never again. So what happened to the car? You survived, obviously. It wasn't, I mean, we didn't disappear. Okay. You know, we, it wasn't a huge accident. People saw it happen, and he got out of the car stumbling, putting his pants, like oh. zipping his pants up. And oh. Did he feel bad? It was a minivan, so I was like kneeling. Oh, my God, this is this too is much. This is terrible. You were kneeling? <laughs> I was kneeling in a minivan. His I'm mom's s- minivan. <laughs> I'm saying this is terrible because of the, the danger. I know. <laughs> teenagers are idiots. Yes. They're so Don't stupid. Don't trust teenagers. But I was an adult teenager. I mean, I'm, I was on the older side of teen. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't like 12. I just wanted everyone to know. Okay, 12 goodbye. isn't a teenager. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I, was, I think I was 17. Oh. So it's okay. Okay. But really, teenagers are bad drivers. Super Moving bad. on. <laughs> 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash alarmist. Now, do we want to put the, I, I want to, I feel like I want to put these kinds of uh, people who, these like Christian, uh, <laughs> uh, evangel, no, just like these people who were, doomsday. There's, there's a connection between doomsday and these like Christian, um, like religious doomsdayers. Yes. I'll put that up. Um, yeah, that's that's good. Because they also have the uh what what's his know? name that guy the the preacher Robert Pat Robertson. Thank you. I mean Pat that's Robertson. a pretty despicable thing to do where it's like these people yeah. are scared. They're coming to you for answers. Well, and you're and you're telling them if you pray and give money to the church and if you are read my not book. A, read my book and if you're not sinning and if you're good people, it's all going to be okay. And yeah. there's no way to prove if he's right. Maybe he was right. Well, <laughs> he wasn't. So, boo-boo. That's a boo-boo on and, your part. And really quick, we're trying to find out who's responsible for the... The, the panic? The panic. Yes. And and the amount of money and, and resources that were spent okay. for, for this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this then brings me to believe, like, are we... Were we too safe? Now, this is a really hard thing for me to talk about. 
<laughs> this goes against every ounce of my being. Being overprepared. We were we too overprepared? <laughs> and there's this um thing I found on the that was online. Okay, it's called the uh, precautionary principle. Mm-hmm. The best analysis of this effort I've read came from two Australian researchers, John Fillmore and Aidan Davison, who argue that in 2000 in a 2002 paper that fighting Y2K was an example of the precautionary principle, an idea well known in the environmental movement. It essentially boils down to this. It's better to be safe than sorry, especially if the sorry end of the spectrum in involves the end of the world as we know it. Mm-hmm. And this is from uh, Straight Dope. Still, while all of this is obvious now, it wasn't obvious at the start. Some contend much Y2K expenditure was simply an effort to fend off litigation. That may be true, but so what? Would you want to be the bean counter whose attempts to economize let the nuclear missiles accidentally launch? It was only money. A lot of the systems and softwares were due for revamp anyway. This is according to Straight Dope. And really, who knew? This is the question. Are your insurance premiums wasted if your house doesn't burn down? Mm. So, uh, of course, I believe, no, we should get insurance for everything. I would insure everything possible. I would insure this water bottle if I could, (laughs) right? Yeah, I don't see why, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. Yeah. Were we too cautious? I don't think so. Oh, someone on my side. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm with you. (laughs) I pay so much for insurance. (laughs) Maria, I mean, is that? Can we put that up on the board? This notion of being too safe. I, I don't. I, I, I'm just like stuck in the middle of something, which is this thing that people didn't think ahead for. Right? Was going to happen no matter what no one thought I had to do it and then the time came and instead of keeping it like low key or whatever figuring it out it became this huge media sensation yeah I'm just saying it, it is it possible that we can blame those who that feeling of wanting to be over prepared people like me I don't think that people I don't think people thought they were over preparing, but maybe they, I don't know what people I mean, they definitely did. They over prepared for sure. How did the government spend all that money to prepare for Y2K? Like, what were they spending all that money on? Right. It it was on mostly their own like computer systems, fixing the bug in their own computer systems. And who told them this was going to be like a serious problem? Oh, I'm sorry. That's what the corporations were spending most of their money on. Okay. And then what was Bill? Who was the Bill Clinton? Oh, John. This is where he comes John in. John Cannon, Cus- 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 uh, Cus- Cus- right. Cus- And remind me what his deal was. He's the head of this council called uh, Year Two Thousand Conversion. I know that um, they were outsourcing a lot of people in India going in and manually changing dates, changing things to have four digits. I saw something like that. This is a big question. Like, can we blame over reliance on technology then? Oh, yeah. At that time. I I mean, because and I'll, and I'm not saying that like technology is bad, right? Because computers are great. They help us in many, many ways. But what I'm talking about is the fact that okay, so there's this thing called automation complacency. This is from uh 
an essay and a study called Understanding Human Over-Reliance on Technology, Matthew Grissinger. And he says, automation complacency is closely linked overlapping concept that refers to the monitoring of technology with less frequency or vigilance because of a lower suspicion of error and a stronger belief in its accuracy. So it's this idea that like we've become used to computers and we therefore check up on them less and less and less, verifying that they're doing it correctly. Mm-hmm. And it's experience-based. So let's say, you know, like I, I'm terrible at math, and so I rely on my phone computer for my calculator. Sure, it's calculator is different, but like I use it once, and it's it's always accurate. It never lets me down, you know. But then you stop double checking yourself. Yeah, and if if it was wrong, then you would never know. Exactly. Or how we don't sometimes check our bank accounts or credit card things because they're all automated, and you get billed once a month or whatever. But you don't. Maybe somebody's got your card, and you're. Yeah, I mean that's different. Uh, but no, well, but but yeah, yes. You you here's the thing. You assume that the bank's going to call you then, right, right, right. Because yeah. that's going to trigger something. They've figured out some kind of algorithm mm-hmm. or whatever that if it gets used at a place where you don't frequent, they're going to call you. So that happens once, and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then it happens again, and then you're like, oh, okay. So this is what's going to happen every time. Yeah. So what is this called again? It's called automation complacency. I think that's a big one to put on the board. And I and I think that's what's happening now in the eighties, right? So if it, if you think about it, it's enough time from nineteen forty nine. And the the sixties, right? Mm-hmm. It's twenty five years of from sixty to nineteen eighty five when this guy puts it up on the Usenet dot com mm-hmm. or whatever. That's that's a long time to get used to a computer just kind of doing a job. So it's possible that they just didn't even think that that would be a problem until it was. Yeah. well now i'm just going back to the beginning of 1949 when they're making this thing and not even thinking about the next decade because they're really just trying to make this one thing and it's reminding me of like robots now and what what are we not seeing that's going to be a huge problem in the future a lot yeah I don't like it. Well, and and the whole point of computers wasn't even like the computers we know now. It was more like storage. It was like we have so many papers. And then think about it now. We have this. Okay, so we now have the cloud. That's our backup, Mm -hmm. you know? And that was a big thing uh, when Y2K happened was that there was no backup. And that's why people were freaking out. But it's like this iCloud thing. It's like, I don't know what an iCloud is. It's what is an iCloud? How does it what does it look like? I mean, isn't where does it go? Isn't the cloud um, <laughs> everywhere? No, I mean, isn't it really just like a, a an enormous building somewhere? <laughs> oh God, <laughs> isn't it like tons of the big a big place in like New Mexico? Am I'll I look co- it up. I have no idea. <laughs> what is an iCloud? I mean, I I get it's it. It's not just like out in the air. That data has to be stored somewhere. Uh, all I'm saying is like I- I've had to use my iCloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple times and I don't know what it is but I like went on my phone and I like looked up my my document on an iCloud and it worked for me so great I don't have to think about what an iCloud yeah. is yeah, it yeah, works. Yeah. automatic no automation complacency automation complacency it, it's kind of like it's almost like Y2K 
is probably one of the most important disasters of <laughs> of recent history. But that we didn't have. That that we didn't have and that we should really learn more about. But did we successfully avert it or did it just not happen because I mean did did we avert it because of all the money? Is this your next question? <laughs> Well, this is what uh, our our friend John Koskik, uh, we'll never get his name right. Koskinen? Koskinen. Koskinen. So there's a report that came out January 18, 2000. Okay. After the survival of Y2K. Koskinen said in January 18 interview in Washington that the relatively problem-free date change that occurred is an indication not that the Y2K problem was not serious, but that the work devoted to fixing thousands of computer systems worldwide was successful. Koskinen said that the absence of serious Y2K disruptions in developing countries, so the Italy's and the South Korea's, where remediation efforts had lagged behind those in the industrial countries, is explained by the less intense reliance in these countries on digital technology and by the fact that they were able to apply the lessons learned from dealing with the problem elsewhere. So... Mm. I don't know. To me, this report sounds like he's kind of like dancing around the fact that, you know, they spent all this money and mm-hmm. nothing happened. He's yeah. saying that nothing happened because he's saying we, he did a good job. He did a good job. And that's why. But w- the other people are saying, well, then why didn't Italy fall apart? Right. Where they didn't do anything. Right. And he's saying, well, they weren't uh, as reliant on technology. Like, it's Italy. Come on. I mean, <laughs> also, it's South Korea, too. <laughs> You know, I'm just saying it's fishy. It smells fishy. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. Should I put him on the board? I think we should. Because he was one of the causes for uh, the amount of money that was spent. And he was also the one in Clinton's ear, right? Like he was the one kind of advising him on that or was that well he was hired yeah clinton hired him for the job i have another uh, thing that might be an interesting thing to look at could it be that the overhypedness or like the 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 frenzy of it all was the that people were unable to communicate with each other in a in a unified way where everyone had these different ideas of what could happen and how to fix it and all that stuff Mm. ah I don't know. It's just a thought. I'm not. So it, it's like, <laughs> so look at me with those judging eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what you're saying is that also we have to remember that 98, it was like we were using AOL chats, mm-hmm. right? AIM. I wasn't using it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she was in a ravine somewhere. I was just going down on dudes all day long. <laughs> was that on night? Was that pre Y2K or post? Pre. Maybe that the lack of internet. Or lack right. of communication. I think it's more lack of people sharing information or being able to to all because like it's it sounds like I don't know a lot about Y two K other than what you're saying. It sounds like the corporations were doing one thing, the government was doing another <sighs> thing, the media was telling people about how to deal with it. People were making up their own minds about how to deal with it. I mean, it seems like everyone was like with an earthquake. It's like oh, I have to get my pack together. And if it happens, this is what you do. Yeah. Whereas this is like, okay, well, we don't um, know exactly what's going to happen, but this could happen. Yeah, I I, I love that. I think it's like a lack of communication amongst the programming community. 
They should have had a, a large forum of all the. <laughs> it, world they should have leaders. all gone to Vegas and yeah, like had a, had a conference. conference. <laughs> yeah. So Lack of Vegas. <laughs> yeah, Vegas wasn't as big in '98 or or in the '80s. <laughs> when did Vegas get big? Oh gosh, I got a story about Vegas. Oh boy. <laughs> no, it's a really quick, funny one. Okay? Oh boy. <laughs> I was there with my mom and my nana, and I smoked cigarettes at the time, but uh-huh. they didn't know. And I was 17, and I so I went and I I went out into the garden, and I like hid in the bushes in the garden and smoked a cigarette, and then the sprinklers went off. <laughs> No, that's all. It's not. Da- it's not dirty. <laughs> a lot happened when you were seventeen. So I much was happened. wild when I was yeah. seventeen, but just seventeen. <laughs> that was a good year. Okay, so uh, right now up on the board, we have uh, programmers through nineteen ninety. So we're talking f- forty nine to nineteen ninety. Lazy bums. <laughs> the media, mm-hmm. lack of communication amongst the programming community, religious doomsdayers. Automation complacency and our, our good friend John Kaskinen. So mm. we can start. Uh, uh, and let, do you have anything else that you you would like to throw up on the board? I wish. <laughs> I wish I had one person. I mean, I, I feel like we can start crossing things off and kind of do this process of mm, elimination. Okay, all right. Off the bat, I don't think we can take Kaskinen off because that's who I think we can take. Off. Really. I just mean, he was just doing his job. He didn't know what was going to happen, what wasn't going to happen. He just put the funds in the places they needed to be. He did. But couldn't he have also helped calm the masses? That's, that's not his job. Yeah, but saying like, hey, guys, like what we found is that this is all fixed. So you don't have to worry about it. He didn't do that? No, from what <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm reading um, this message board of people talking about Y2K, and this guy says, Sloth Man says, I'm a software engineer. (laughs) (laughs) And knowing the quality of code I'd run into in my career, I considered the threat of Y2K to be real but not devastating. The, quote, planes falling from the sky and a new dark age arriving was pretty obviously hype. I expected that there might be several days disruption of information systems and attending confusion as people coped and we and it and figured it was a good as good a time as any to make sure my earthquake survival kit was up to date and I had paper copies of all my relevant financial information. So it's it's what he's saying is as a computer programmer it's like yeah the the worst that could have happened was a couple days without Right, which that to me then says religious doomsdayers are Mm -hmm. kind of have a a, a lot of a lot more fault. Yeah, I don't think Koskinen was doing any of the we're all going to die kind of stuff. Koskinen, Koskinen, who the hell knows? John, we'll call him John. John. I don't think he was going around saying it was the end of the world and all this crazy stuff's going to happen. I think, I I don't remember, I I think in one of these videos that I watched, he was just like, this is what's going to happen and we're doing our best to make that not happen. Nobody has anything to worry about. (laughs) Very dry, very boring kind of guy. Just doing his job. Yeah, maybe he should. He should have been more uh, warm and charismatic. We would have listened to him. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe. he should have been like more like it's not going to happen. Yeah, you know, kind of right. cause that kind of sensation. Right, but if the media had interviewed him back then, maybe 
you know, maybe, maybe yeah. we would have, maybe they weren't interested in interviewing him because they wanted the sensational idea. Yeah. Should I cross him off? Yeah, I think we can cross him off right yes, now. Yes, I won. <laughs> <laughs> now, I actually think that we can cross off. I don't think we can cross off lack of communication. I, I think that we can put together the programmers, the actual programmers and their lack of of communication. So like... Well, because of their lack of communications, we can blame the programmers. I don't think that we can blame the programmers through 1990 because they didn't cause the... They were just doing what they were told. They were doing their job and they didn't cause the hysteria. No, they didn't. But they didn't have the foresight. They put us in the position in the first place. Yeah, they just didn't. They just were dumb. I mean, it's very smart, but... Yeah. Very smart. <laughs> well, some of the smartest people are the dumbest. That's for sure. Yeah, look at me. <laughs> Doctors. <laughs> and you. <laughs> Doctors and Maria. <laughs> uh, some of the dumbest people are the smartest, like me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I fit in there. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the lack of communication uh, for Maria's point, I think, was more about how they dealt with it in the later 90s mm-hmm. um, with the larger with the companies communicating or lacking that communication. Yeah. But I mean, come on, if you want, I don't care. I mean, they were <laughs> scrambling at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not with the lack of communication isn't just for the programmers. That would be like government mm-hmm. media. Um, it's like all of the different puzzle pieces. Oh, I see. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. And had it been just unified, then it probably wouldn't have cost that much money. As much if money. they would have had their summit in Vegas. Yeah. Right. If Koskinen <laughs> would have led it, maybe that's what he was hired to do. Put him back up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I, are we really going to take the programmers off of oh, the list? God. Maria feels like she don't I feel care strongly that, to that, take them off. Yeah, because they didn't cause the hysteria. They did something that in the end may not have even been that big of a deal. Um, but they did a massive boo-boo. But did they? Because <laughs> um, nothing happened. You're right. But. So maybe maybe we just got a little... Uh, sh- I'm shimming right now. Like <laughs> uh, We got a little overheated. Yeah. Or maybe we solved it. <laughs> With all of that hard work that Koskinen did. I swear, he's a good guy. Oh, wow. Why don't you marry him already? what a journey. Why don't you go to a minivan with Koskinen? (laughs) Um, Okay, fine. Let's take the programmers off. I can't believe it. So I think, so what we have left up on the board is the media, lack of communication, general, like, not just programmers, Mm -hmm. everyone, religious doomsdayers, and automation complacency. I think we should take the media off. <laughs> I I point the finger strong. I have a stronger point at the religious doomsdayers than I have at the media. I, they're one and the same to me. Yeah. They're all just trying to make a buck. The d- religious doomsdayers wouldn't have a platform if the media didn't give it to them. But they do because they have religion. It's a huge platform. They have their mega churches. Yeah. But I think the media has further reach. Mm-hmm. I mean, and but then, then, but then, who was the most scandalized? You know, there, there's this thing like about religion, which is like, you know, we grow up with the concept of the end of the world, right? That's a normal thing you learn when you're a kid, just terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, like, if, if if that hadn't been brought into our zeitgeist, then maybe we wouldn't have freaked out as easily, like that. 
that's like an easy trigger is all I'm saying. Right, 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 right. It's how much were the religious doomsdayers at the center of the hysteria, though? That's like, weren't question. they were they like a, a facet of it? Like, like, if this is coming, that must mean the end is near like that. But it's not like they were going, wait, what's happening in 2000? Okay, let's go. It wasn't like they were leading the charge. Yeah, I mean, I guess in, I guess we can blame um, <laughs> the, the writers of the Bible then for, for creating the concept yeah. of the apocalypse, right. of end of the world. Which, but uh, here's okay. the thing. <laughs> uh, here's the thing, though. I mean, I don't know if they actually came up with that concept, but and God, the, we're blaming God now. Well, <laughs> yeah. it, it is a metaphor. She won't blame the media, but she'll blame God. End <laughs> <laughs> of the world, do you know, is a, a a a metaphor for just you know death, right? Sure. This is from. Um, uh, Kitsip's son. Okay, this is about, it's from an article that says, Computer Glitch, Religious See religious Spiritual Omens and Y2K. This is from 1999, January 2nd. It says, Sheer and other charismatic and evangelical Christians have become have become some of the most active preachers of Y2K awareness and preparedness over the past year. Christian internet sites, publications, radio and TV programs, televangelists, videos, seminars, and sermons have explored the Y2K message ranging from practical preparedness tips to apocalypticism. Apocalypticism. Okay, so it's pretty big. Yeah. Okay. Well, I. so you're saying that we should take... The doomsdayers don't have as much um, guilt as the media itself well i think the the doomsdayers probably went into it uh with more intention whereas the media was just doing their what they think their job is right but they feed into each other yeah yeah well what about what why don't we put both of those on hold what about lack of communication and automation complacency um automation complacency i mean that is i don't know how reliant at the time we all were i mean certainly not as much as now no and that's a problem and that's terrible terrible now yeah (laughs) maybe if we weren't if we didn't have this automation complacency we would have started talking about it more but i guess in the 80s people weren't reliant on computers as much Gosh, I don't know. Molly <laughs> is, is, didn't see a computer till like a year ago. <laughs> um, I think we can take automation complacency. I okay. think it's more of a, a, a result or, or something that mm. it, it's kind of like a warning out there. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> we're sending out a Batman signal. Yeah. Like, careful people. So yes. now we, we just have lack of communication, religious doomsdayers and media. I don't know if there's a way for us to know about the lack of communication. If there was a lack of communication, maybe they were communicating. They just couldn't get on the same page. Maybe they were on the same page. Again, we did not have a catastrophe. <laughs> right. You're right. <laughs> what we did have for sure evidence. was the hysteria. We mm-hmm. did. Should I take it off? I think so. Okay, so... This I, is hard. I know that you Yeah, but are, I don't want to... I, I, well, please, we got it. This is tried and true. Our listeners depend oh, on okay. us. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I think 
religious doomsdayers have more to blame than the media because they came up with the concept of Y2K freak out or or I'm sa- sorry, end of the world freak out. Uh-huh. That to me is more aligned with religion versus like media. But that's, I, I'm going to push back on you on this. <laughs> um, I feel like, yes, there was a religious aspect of this could be the end of the world, but that's not what a lot of people were freaking out about. They were freaking out about their banks, their, their, them losing money because like their, their financial stuff would go down, that everything that had been put into a computer, all sorts of information, all of that stuff the automation kind of how everything was automatic Mm. now was then going to, if everything went to zero, nothing would be. Yeah. You wouldn't have any of your money. Were people taking their money out of banks and stuff? I don't know. Yeah. They were. People took money out of banks. Yeah. That's, I'm that's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to put that out there and then I'm going to step back. I'm going to let you guys decide, but I'm just going to say that it wasn't just apocalypticism. It was also about people then everything they had trusted in other autom- in automation would be gone. Well, okay, here's a thought that you just, because I, I, I agree with you. I think we should put automation complacency back <laughs> oh on the board. God, no. Oh my allowed? God, no. Oh my God. I've never seen this before. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because. Wow. Groundbreaking. <laughs> because that's essentially what led to the hysteria. Because we right. uh, sure we we weren't as connected to our phones and all that kind of stuff but we were reliant on an atm per se yeah or a, a plane that has all these people people numbers mm-hmm. you know people numbers <laughs> that hospitals, you know hospitals nuclear hospital, power yeah. plants everything but, is on a, a system and at that point things were on computers i mean i had i, I was writing all of my essays at that point on a computer Actually, I had a terrible experience with an essay. I wrote an essay for a college that got deleted. <sighs> but we digress. Nightmare. Nightmare. I think we should put that up on the board. And I think to me, that is actually what is more to blame in this situation. Wow. Wow. I mean, I think that's really a good point. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I know it looks like I'm about to say something else, but I don't nothing else. <laughs> Can we get rid of religious yes, doomsday? Can, yeah. <laughs> Because those guys, bad intentions, I believe, but yeah. but not a huge reach. Yeah. Not as as much of a reach as the media. Yes. Yes. No, I'm just I mean, we could that. say In that the opinion. Bible was the first me- media that's publication. Got a, that's got a big... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the Bible I mean, was the first magazine. I'm just saying. And that's got quite a reach. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say this, being here for the recordings of many, many an episode, Rebecca does not like to blame the media. I don't. I think it's a bit of a, a, a cop-out because mm-hmm. the the media is is man-made, right? And there's got to be more to that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can see it does feel like a cop-out. But it is like, it is just uh, that exponential growth of hysteria that it, that it caused. But yeah. automation complacency is what let us get to that point to begin with before the media was able to latch on. That's what I'm saying. Like the media latched on and I'm not saying, yes, they perpetuated the hysteria. Yeah. But what put us in that position in the first place? Yeah. 
technically the programmers <laughs> put but the programmers back on the board <laughs> but the we programmers, made a mistake. well but the programmers were just doing their you know right. job and they couldn't have seen it it's our uh, our 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 just complacency so what we're doing now is we're blaming uh, a a concept a concept <laughs> rather than a specific human yeah, we do that here. Oh, that's yes. allowed. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, I like the cons. I mean, I think I think that might be the right idea. But should we? Should I circle it? How do you feel? Let's do it. I feel good. Okay. Okay, I feel good about it. Okay, automation complacency. You're going to the alarmist jail. That was a wild ride. That was. Who knew? I, I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> it's never who you accept. <laughs> Ex- expect <laughs> Molly thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me that was really fun you know the world is a better place because Y2K never happened but yes. also because you helped us oh, today thank you thank you so much <laughs> and make sure to uh, check out Spermcast everyone Spermcast you will not be disappointed it's very good it's very good she uh, said so I herself I didn't give any I mean I did give a big spoiler away I think I well, said it's I'm okay. not it's pregnant. It's okay. It's it's a journey. <laughs> it's a roller coaster and that's why you go. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we'll we'll keep that weird pause yeah, at the yeah, end. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Molly. Bye guys. After December thirty first, nineteen ninety-nine, in the immediate aftermath, everything was fine. One Japanese nuclear energy facility experienced issues with some radiation equipment, but backup facilities kicked in and made it a non-issue. A little later, a bigger error was revealed in the UK by the National Health Service that failure to spot a Millennium Bug computer error led to incorrect Down syndrome test results being sent to 154 pregnant women. Vote for who you think is to blame by going to our website, www.thealarmistpodcast.com or send us an email at thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com Also follow us on Instagram at thealarmistpodcast or Twitter at alarmistthe Have a great one! Erios Powered by ACAST Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.